Pastor Ed Taylor says a little change of perspective can go a long way. Be encouraged. Like today, if you're so beat up and, and hurt over your own failure, I want to help you turn around. I say, yeah, I know. I know it hurts right now, and I know it's hard right now, and I know you would wish you were farther along. You, I, I, know, I know that it's difficult. You, you wish you didn't. I, I know all that, but can you just consider this? Look how far you've come. Look how far you are. And look what God has done. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You As you read your Bible, you're struck with the realization that the people God used were just ordinary men and women, tax collectors, fishermen, widows. That means God can use us too, no matter our background or education. Today on Abounding Grace, we introduce you to Peter, an ordinary man met by grace. We're in the early going of our verse-by-verse study of 1 Peter. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. You're on this earth for the kingdom of God. So everything that we do needs to be for the kingdom. We, we want to be able to, but, but at the same time, listen, don't underestimate the education and training of Peter. Don't underestimate, don't come to him like that and go, oh, they're uneducated and untrained men. Because some of you turn to Acts 4 and you know that the verse doesn't end there. The verse doesn't end with, oh, they were uneducated. Like it, they, they, the verse goes on, it says they marveled. Here's the rest of the verse. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. That was the key. Oh, they're uneducated and untrained. But the boldness that they had was because they were with Jesus. They were enjoying him. We can't underestimate the man Pete here or even underestimate what God can do through your life. You, individually, your own story. You, you have your own educational story. You have your own life story. You, have, you, you think you'd know, be a little bit farther ahead or you might have made some mistakes that slowed you down. Don't underestimate the power of how fast God can train you in the ministry. And I don't just mean professional. Ever think in ministry sometimes you think only pastor. But the word ministry just has in it the idea of serving. And not even in the context of a church necessarily. But you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are. You don't need the pastor title or the deacon title or the elder title. You have all the titles you need to be effective in the kingdom of God. All the titles you need. You are a man or a woman who loves Jesus Christ. That's it. You are, it's just as useful for the kingdom as anyone else. That you would rise to the occasion of what God's called you to do and be faithful to it. We can't underestimate what God did in Peter for three years of his life. We don't want to minimize the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. I don't want you to underestimate where you've been trained and what God is doing in your life and not to minimize the power of the Spirit of God in your life. Warren Wearsby, on his commentary on Peter, said this, and I quote, Some writings are manufactured out of books, the way freshman students write term papers. But this letter grew out of a life lived to the glory of God. 
A number of events in Peter's life are woven into the fabric of this epistle. I love that. This letter was, grew out of a life lived to the glory of God. And Peter writes it as a pastor. I want you to think of Pastor Peter as you read through this. He has a true shepherd's heart. In all the scriptures, I believe Peter's life is recorded for us so that we might see a vivid example of a life that was changed by the Spirit of God in a wonderful way. Please, when you read of Peter, don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off the list of people that God can use. Don't say, well, you know, Ed, this is where I've been, and this is what I've done, and this is where I'm at, and this is what's on. Don't write yourself off. Let Peter be an example to you, an encouragement to you. Well, you know, Ed, I haven't been to seminary. Okay. What does God want to do in your life? You know, I couldn't go to Bible college. Okay. I couldn't even graduate high school, Ed. I didn't even make it out of high school. Okay. But you have the Spirit of God in you, and God can use you. And you know, God doesn't measure, the kingdom doesn't measure that way. I know the world measures that way, but the kingdom of God doesn't. The kingdom of God has one question. Are you born again? Because if you're born again, then you're in relationship with God. The Spirit of God dwells in you, and you will be sanctified and continue to fashion and mold and grow in your understanding of who He is. And I just know that there are those listening right now that have written themselves off for one reason or another. I was reading recently in the Proverbs, though a man falls seven times, and a lot of guys just stay right there. I've fallen too many times. I can't get back up. I don't want to get back up. I'm sick of falling. I'm sick of failing. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, though a man falls seven times, he will rise again. Well, Ed, what if I fall an eighth time? Well, if there was another proverb, it would say, though a man fall eight times, he'll rise again. Like, get up. Get back in the race. If ever there needed a, if ever our culture and our world needed a strong, clear example of a believer in your life, you individually, it's now. It's right now. Don't write yourself off because with Jesus, there's hope for anyone. I know we've blown it and I know we've stumbled. I know many of us aren't educated. I used to say it this, in a message like this, I would say, I didn't even finish Bible college. But you guys know that I finally, sitting on my couch at home, took the last few classes, and now I do have a piece of paper that says, after ministering many, many years, I now can say, I have an associate's degree in theology of the Bible college. Woohoo! But I didn't need it. I was out here without it. God moved me here. He didn't say, I'm looking for someone to go to Colorado. Ed, what do you say? Oh, Lord, send me. Well, can you show me your resume? He just said, go. I'll be with you. I'll use you. Not even knowing what we were getting into. Not even knowing what God would do when we moved here. Not knowing what, what, how we would be used except to model and follow the models that God had given me to love people and teach the Bible. You reduce ministry down to that. Just you're loving people, right? You're loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You're loving others, and you're sharing the Bible one way or another. Sometimes you're sharing a verse. Sometimes you're sharing your life, but you're sharing God's word through you. Like the brother that called on the radio show today and just saying, you know, how can I help my friend going through these things? And one of the things the Lord just laid on me is just continue being the good Christian friend that you are. God's using you already. And just be there for the brother. It's not even so much what you say as much as that you're there, loving, caring, and concerned about this guy. 
Because love, even if it's not acknowledged, people know real love. They know it when it's beyond, like they know real love. They may not be able to explain it, but people know it. They, they know fake love of the world because we've all been on, we know the fakeness of this world, but they can sense the reality of a person touched by grace. That's why the gospel has to be front and center. When we first meet Peter in the Bible, remember he's a fisherman, a, a, a laborer. He, he worked hard. He was a determined man, but he was also an impetuous man. In Matthew chapter 4, turn over there with me, would you? Matthew chapter 4. Pick up with me when you get there in verse 18. But we, we see the call of Peter in his life. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Where it says, Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Hey, come. In the New Living, it says, come follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Isn't that great? That, like, that's what he was doing for a living. That was his livelihood. That's what he was trained in. And God's telling him, look, I know what you know about fish, and I'm going to take all that knowledge you have as a fisherman, and I'm going to show you how you can use it for people. I'm going to use you, Peter. I know you might look at yourself and think all I can do is fish and, and I'm not even that good of a fisherman to begin with. But Jesus comes and says, I'm going to redeem and I'm going to use who you are for the gospel. And I like that. He gets up immediately or in the, the New Living, he gets up at once. Matthew doesn't use that word too much with Peter, but it, it makes sense. They get up immediately and they follow Immediately, Peter liked to jump into things, you know. He was that kind of personality. He liked to get involved. He was the kind of guy that liked to make things happen. And when you're that kind of person, there's a lot of mistakes that follow you. Because you just jump in. He, he wasn't like Thomas. Unfortunately, Thomas is normally known as doubting Thomas. I don't know so much that he was doubting Thomas as much as he was hesitant. And he was the kind of guy that liked more information before he made a decision. That's Thomas. Peter wasn't that kind of guy. He didn't need a lot of information. Sometimes he didn't need any information, although he really should have gotten information. It would have changed the way he behaved. But he was just like, all right, let's do it. As if they're, like those that maybe go into a pool. You know, there are those toe tippers. Maybe you're a toe tipper at the pool. And you're just like, oh, I'm not jumping in. I'm going to see what the temperature is. Oh, okay. You put your toe in there. And then you put your toe in there. And then maybe you sit on the edge and put your ankles in there. And then maybe you put your legs in there. And then eventually, two days later, you finally get in the pool. But then while you're doing that, 60 other people jumped over your head. And they're just like, boom, I'm in. I'm in. There's a pool. I know what to do in a pool. I don't care what the temperature is. I'll deal with it when I get in there. That's Peter. He's just like, man, I'll deal with it when I get in there. Sometimes it's gloriously used by the Lord. Other times it got him in trouble. Peter liked to jump into things. And while there are negatives to that, there are wonderful positives. Many times Peter in the, was in the middle of super amazing, exciting things. Peter gets no, he's remembered for sinking when he took his eyes off the Lord. He should be remembered as only one of two people that ever walked on water. Have you walked on water lately? You stop giving Peter a hard time. 
And if you do walk on water, it will be a viral video. So make sure somebody is there with a phone. But we don't think of, we think of Peter, oh, look, he took his eyes off the Lord, which indeed he did. And that's a good Bible study uh, to share. It's very good applicationally. But before you ever get to his eyes off the Lord, you've got to see his eyes on the Lord. Stepping out of the boat while everyone else stayed in. And what he got to experience had to be a story he shared many, many times. Just saying, yeah, bro, I walked on water. What you done lately? You know, so good. There are great times, but there are also times when he got in trouble where it was obvious that there was still work to be done, the frailty of his life. And as the story goes, we know that as he walked on water, his zeal, his impetuousness couldn't sustain him because it wasn't too long that fear crept in and he sunk. Really, he becomes a mirror image of us in many ways where we have great times of seeing the life of Christ lived out in us, great victories. I mean, there'll be times when victories you go, man, that was good, Lord. I never thought I'd respond like that. Or thank you for restraining me. Thank you for self-control. Thank you for love. Thank you for like, man, Lord, that's good. And yet there are other times where my flesh is there and I'm like, oh, that's bad. That's all Ed. And I've learned over the years, it's taken me, taken me many years to learn this, but I've learned over the years that anything good in my life, God gets all the credit. And anything bad, that's all my fault. It's all me. Any of the flesh and sin, it's all me. It's not part me and part someone else. It's all me. I am responsible for my own decisions. And if there's any success, and there's any progress, and there's any refinement, any maturity that comes in my life, it, all the credit goes to God. Do you know the Bible says that God will not share his glory with any man? We're not to take the glory for anything. We're not to take the glory for any spiritual success. We're not to give it to any of our works. So why, why are you so sore? Because well, I read the Bible. No, the first response is, why are you where you are today? By the grace of God. By the grace of God. That's good and bad. You know, there's that phrase where we look at someone in the difficulty and we might say, well, there but by the grace of God go I. And it, we're kind of saying, well, God's grace held us back from great failure. But you know, God's grace holds us up. God's grace doesn't just hold us back from great failure. God's grace also holds us up to great success for him. So any success that comes in our life, any progress, it's all by the grace of God. The grace of God wasn't just how things began, and the grace of God isn't just going to be how things end, everything in between. It's all grace. We can take credit for nothing. Zero. It's all God. And Peter, as he's writing, understands this. And there are those times where the understanding of God's grace comes through great failure. Failure is not a treasured commodity today. It's not something lifted up in society, but failure is a great teacher. And Peter was, Jesus affirmed his word because Peter was changed into that fisher of men. And you'll see that in this letter. He was changed into a fisher of men by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Peter changed and so can you. Peter matured and so can I. He grew, as he's going to tell us, in God's grace and knowledge. Many people believe that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is just to save us and then leave us on our own. 
Okay, we're done. We're born again. Let's go out and do what we need to do on our own. But the Holy Spirit is in our lives, not just to save us and leave us where we are, but also to change us and mature us. But here's one of the problems that you face. One of the problems is that we, like Peter, think we're already mature enough. And if just people would catch up with us, then the church could make some progress. You know, we're where we need to be. And if just my husband would get it, then, then we'd make it. If my daughter would get it, then we'd make it. If my wife would get it, then we'd make it. And we have this prideful arrogance about us that, man, if everybody would just catch up with me, then the church would make the progress. But Peter would find himself doing that often among the people he served with. It was a part of his flesh that plagued him. He often thought too highly of himself. It's one of the least confessed sins in our lives, you know. Pride arrogance, thinking too highly. Let me show you another. Would you go to Matthew chapter 26? Matthew chapter 26. I mean, this is Peter. This is the same Peter here in Matthew that's now writing two letters in the inspired word of God. Just look how far he's come. Be encouraged. Like today, if you're so beat up and and hurt over your own failure, I want to help you turn around. I say, yeah, I know. I know it hurts right now, and I know it's hard right now, and I know you would wish you were farther along. You, I, I know. I know that it's difficult. You, you wish you didn't. I, I know all that. But can you just consider this? Look how far you've come. Look how far you are. And look what God has done. And just to change a perspective, look, what, look what happens. This is Peter. This is the same Peter that's going to write this letter when he says, notice in verse 31, uh, he says, then Jesus said to him, all of you will be made, or to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So let's just pause for a second. Just consider this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is speaking, and he says very clearly, translating into English, all of you will be made to stumble. So the people in front of him, how many does he mean to say in the people in front of them? All means all. All of them. Everyone. Jesus is giving you a warning. He's like, look, all of you are going to be made to stumble when I'm struck. Because that's what the Bible says. It's predicted. All of you. And you could even say, it doesn't say it, it's not inspired, but you could even say maybe Jesus gave one of those side eyes or he's looking at, and he says, all of you, yes, you too, Peter, will be made to stumble, possibly. Because look at how Peter responds. Peter answered in verse 33, even if all, okay, so he's interpreting all differently than Jesus because his interpretation of all is all except me. That's pride. Don't think for a moment you've never reinterpreted the word all. So here he is. Even if all, basically selling out all his buddies, everybody here, even if, just like you said, Jesus, even if everybody here, except me, falls, I will never be made to stumble. Part of me wants to say I challenge you. I don't want to challenge you this, but understand, whenever you start using absolute words like I never, just be ready for God to work. I'll never stumble. Yeah, Peter, he says in verse 35, or 34, surely I say to you, I say to you that before the rooster crows, you'll deny me. It's Peter, you won't even, you won't just stumble. You're going to fall really hard. It's going to be bad. And Peter said to him, even if I, even if I have to die with you, I won't deny you. 
and so said all the disciples. I don't doubt the sincerity of Peter here. I don't doubt the fact that he truly meant this. I don't know so much that this was an arrogant outburst to tick everyone off. I think the brother believed it. I think he was loyal to the end. I, I think that he loved Jesus, that he was all in. He was ready. He understood. The problem was is he trusted in himself so much that he didn't let Jesus give this little lesson to him to warn him. It happens when you're in a Bible study with me or anyone else. You've been studying the Bible for 20 years. Maybe you've studied Peter before and you're like, oh, I know Peter. And then, you know, you don't even come in. You don't even listen on the radio. You don't even watch online. You're listening to this way down. I know Peter. I've studied it. But, but like you've got that sense of, but God wants to do something new in your life. So whatever you studied it before was for the time you studied it before. God wants to do something new right now. He doesn't want you to settle in on the past. Today is the day. That Every day is a new day in the Lord. Every day is a new day. I'm looking at this with fresh eyes myself. God, what do you have to say to me through Peter? How do you want me to grow? And we know with Peter, he fell and he fell hard. And we know that he wept and we know he wept bitterly. And yet he was still sustained by a Savior because he was restored gloriously. He came back. And you know, when Jesus met Peter the first time, he had a new name for him. It says in John 1, let me read it to you. Andrew went to find his brother Simon. Simon literally means hearing. And you can write it right here in 1 Peter chapter 1, just in wherever you have, if you have room to write it. Simon means hearing or God has heard. But from that day forward, he was renamed to Peter or Cephas, which literally means stone or rock. That there was going to be a stability in Peter's life. And I wonder if his brother chuckled a little bit, right? Because, you know, siblings, we know each other better than most people. And you're like, you know, I wonder if his brother's like, Peter, a stone? I don't think. Maybe a pebble, but not a stone. Like, they, like it, he is all over the place. Uh, he, it's hard to pin him down. And I wonder if they look at him and they go, maybe Simon, he's going to become a stone? His life is more like shifting sands. And yet what Jesus spoke into his life came to pass. And after spending time with Jesus, he becomes stronger. So much so that he becomes a great leader in the church. And it's important as we close today just to pause and remember that Peter wasn't the leader in the church. Because, you know, Peter gets pointed at as being the first pope in the beginning of the Roman Catholic Church. That, that's not true in any way whatsoever. It's part of man-made religion. He was a leader. He wasn't the leader. And many times, you can read ahead because we'll get into it next time. But many times when people want to make that point, they'll take you to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 or so. You can read that for next time because we'll look at it a little bit deeper so that you understand that Peter played the same, a similar role that you and I do and that he was a servant of God changed by the grace of God. A servant of God changed by the grace of God. That was Peter. And that can be your story too. This is Abounding Grace. And today, Pastor Ed Taylor delivered a message titled, Peter, an Ordinary Man Met by Grace. 
You'll find us on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Let me highlight some of the features. Look for our quick links, and you'll discover you can listen to our programs anytime you'd like. We also offer a free podcast, too. You can read Pastor Ed's blog there as well. We've also made it super easy to donate to the ministry, and there's a place to contact us, too. Speaking of which, we'd sure like to hear from you. Let us know what you think of our current study and if you're finding these daily studies helpful to your walk. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present Abounding Grace here over the radio. Again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed's teachings really easy to do. You can download the free app by searching for Ed Taylor. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. I don't have to remind you that hard times visit all of us. Elizabeth is no stranger to suffering either. Her first husband, Jim, was murdered. Her second husband was lost to cancer. But it was in her deepest suffering that she learned the deepest lessons from God. Read all about it in Suffering is Never for Nothing. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a donation of $25 or more. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll notice that abiding is the place of strength as our study in First Peter resumes with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 